to be the ultimate Pokemon Master Trainer. Yes, I think I am. Hello and welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host Mark Hamer and this is your weekly Laps News Update for the week commencing July 4th. Tonight we'll chat a little bit about the games we've been playing recently, uh, we'll answer some listener questions and then we'll touch on a couple of news stories. On today's episode I'm joined by a regular LGR team member Kev and joining us tonight from beautiful Wolverhampton it's my good friend Andy the Power Palmer. Good evening Andy, good evening Kev. Hello. Hello. So Andy, welcome to the show. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, your gaming habits? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not necessarily a lapsed gamer in the true sense of the word. I'm more of a uh, more of a distracted gamer. Um, <laughs> I have a absolutely terrible um, habit of just accumulating games and not actually finishing them. Um, I can probably count in the last twelve months the amount of games I actually finished on one hand. It's it's pretty poor. I kind of start a game and I'm having a great time with it, play a few hours, and then I just flick left on the PlayStation at home and end up going on the PSN store and I look mm-hmm. at the our deals and I go, ooh, fancy yeah. playing that game about six months ago when it first came out and it's <laughs> on about 10% cheaper. I'll just buy that and then I'll play that for a couple of hours and the whole thing just kind of repeats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so in my, I get about two or three hours a night to play games, uh, mm. you know, being the ages we're getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, between work and family life, I only really get on once my wife has gone to bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do. I manage to get on when I can, and I just kind of go around and find new and exciting ways of not finishing games <laughs> that I've started. Mm. So, um, what would you say is your sort of favourite genre of video game to play? Uh, well, kind of comp- probably the complete worst style of genre for the kind of player I am uh, I'm a big fan of RPGs <laughs> so as, as a man who normally gets distracted after about 15-20 hours of playing a game when I'm getting stuck into a massive RPG it doesn't really last that well um, I, I think mainly the reason is I got completely destroyed myself playing Skyrim uh, back in 2014 or 2015 whenever it was and I think we'll just play 2011 so- mate you, you get no 2011 really? five yeah. years ago well, you see, I played it so much, I just completely lost time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I just, yeah. You've only just serviced. Yeah, it's only just serviced. And I think I just played so much of that damn game that mm. I, I just can't bring myself, even today, to sit down and really get invested into something that will take me 70 plus hours to play. <laughs> but no, mm. I do love my RPGs. I love my complicated, deep... RPGs that you can really get your teeth into and when I do find one that really just grabbed me I, I, I can be stuck with that for a long old time So what is your most anticipated forthcoming game do you reckon? Most antith- anti- anticipated? anticipated. Most anticipated. Anti- an- my most anticipated forthcoming game uh, Well it, it's not t- I suppose it's technically not a new game but it's a game that's finally being released for a certain platform it's XCOM 2 coming out for the PS4 oh, yes. next month I cannot wait for that yeah. XCOM, XCOM Enemy Unknown slash Enemy Within um, I have I worked it out the last year of the month I have bought it five separate times on four separate platforms <laughs> um, so that is PC Android and PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 no no just PlayStation 3 because it wasn't released for PlayStation 4 was it it was just on the um on the that streaming thing, yeah, um, and it got released for Vita as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. I bought it on Vita as well. Of course, <laughs> I did. 
Um, and I've probably started the game about probably three dozen times. Uh, I've played countless hundreds of hours, and I've never finished it. So I need to actually get around to finally trying to finish it. Um, it's so hard, though. It, they get to a point in Enemy Within where there is a mission. Uh, I don't know whether it could be spoiled. I don't know. But there's a mission where... It's been out long enough. Well, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Um, there comes a mission where <laughs> your base gets invaded by the aliens. And you need to try and um, use your soldiers with limited equipment to fight them back. And my God, it's the hardest thing I've ever played in my life. <laughs> and I've just never been able to get past it. No. Uh, but regardless of all that, I absolutely love the game. I love the way it plays. I love what it does, and I can't wait for XCOM Two. Yeah, that's out in September, I think. Yeah, isn't it? not yeah. long there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that myself as well. Andy, did you ever play it on the iPad? Um, I got it for Android, and um, oh, right. I enjoyed it, but just the screen was just too small for me. I, I couldn't get on yeah. the size of the screen. Mm. I think my fingers were just yeah. too fat for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the sort of game that needs to be played on a tablet, really, rather than a phone. Yeah. It does work very well on iPad, yeah. I'll just have to buy it for iPad, then. That's yeah. the, just buy it for a <laughs> six time. time. Yeah. <laughs> so we've had some uh, listener questions. Uh, first couple of questions come in from uh, Colm Sheridan, at Psalm67, whose voice you will hear on a forthcoming uh, Laps Gamer special. And he asks, first of all, what are your earliest gaming memories? Ooh. That's, ooh, Pong. Pong? <laughs> yeah, I actually played Pong in the mid-70s. Our rich uncle had Pong. And we all just marvelled at how incredible it was. <laughs> and I thought, my God, this is the future. Look at those graphics. <laughs> I remember playing... Um, actually, it ties into one of my earliest gaming memories, actually. Commander Keen uh, on... Um, on MS-DOS I think it was Keen Dreams the second one um, Keen had an early prototype of the Apple iWatch <laughs> and when you hit the space bar when you hit the pause menu he brought up his watch and you could play Pong on his watch and I think there was a period where I actually played that more than the actual game itself which <laughs> probably doesn't say too much about Commander Keen but there you go but yeah wow Pong um, I think my one well I my memory is genuinely quite terrible. I can remember little bits of. Uh, I think we had an old. Um, uh, nope, kind of what we used to have. Uh, but uh, I think probably the earliest <laughs> tangible game memory I've got is. Uh, is it Battlezone? Battlezone? Old um, real time strategy slash kind of base building game on the PC. Um, however many years ago, you're, you're on Mars. And uh, it's all about getting the, the appropriate materials needed to create your little base defences, little tanks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm. I never really understood exactly what the game did because I was of that certain age where all I wanted to do was just build things and then just start the game again and build them a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I had the game pre-installed on an old AST computer, I think it was. This was a while ago now. And I didn't have the instruction manual. This was a time where PC games, they had those awesome boxes with fantastic instruction manuals that when you young you just wanted to sit on the toilet and read for hours and look at all the little units because they look so cool um <laughs> so i think i probably I, I don't know how much of my parents money i spent printing out the entire um word document of the um, of the manual that is attached with the game on the computer on the on a4 paper attached it all together just so I could just read it and just look at all the different things I could build and all the different things I could use that I never actually used as they were meant to because I didn't have any fucking idea what I was doing but I had a great time <laughs> doing it 
I don't know what the earliest game was I played. There was there's a uh, there's a whole group that kind of mould into one sort of period of my life back when I was about six or seven. Um, there were games like the original Duke Nukem before Duke Nukem 3D when it was a when it was oh, a platformer no. um, mm. and Commander Keen and things like that and a sort of first person D and D fantasy game called Legends of Valor on uh, MS-DOS like uh, really old first person where you kind of click a button <laughs> on the screen to make the character move forward one one step um, uh, and um, a lot of old like the old um, LucasArts games like um, Indiana Jones and the something of Atlantis um, oh yeah no, yeah no. yeah and um, mm. and of course like the the, the the early snows games like super mario world which is still to this day in my opinion the greatest game ever made <laughs> yeah so yeah those are <laughs> my you, earliest ones did you ever see dragon's lair when that came out uh no i never i never played that one that one i remember being blown away by that because that was just so far ahead of the curve mm. You know, granted, the gra- the graphics were amazing, but you could only hit one key, and you could never get it right. You know, the timing would always be off, so you'd only ever see the loading screen. But I remember that being quite something. Do you mean is this the one that was on well, the, the the cabinet game? Yeah, 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 that's the one. No, it was a little yeah. bit before my time. It came out a couple of years before I was born, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, I've, I've never played that one. Yeah, I think all the cabinets were burnt by the time you got to about four year old. I'm just having a look at now. It's been re-released on pretty much every system you could possibly imagine, <laughs> including and it still plays lousy. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's on Android, OS X, PSP, Xbox Live <laughs> Arcade, Windows, the Wii. <laughs> GameCube, here on GameCube yeah, as well. Um, home Blu-ray players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it came out in 2007 on Blu-ray players and HD DVD. If you bought one of those wow. systems and then quickly regretted it. Uh, next question uh, again from uh, Colin Sheridan is: What is your all-time favourite platform and why? Platform Five in Doncaster Railway Station. Because <laughs> <laughs> it takes me out of Doncaster. <laughs> I hope you've got no um, listeners ooh. in Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd probably still say the GameCube. That's a good shout. That mm. was a fine console, and I still think it was the had the nicest controller yeah. of any console yeah. ever. It's just so comfortable, and like the button layout looks a little bit funny when you first look it at it. Now. It does now. Works. It just works. Yeah. And it, it worked well for for because like a you know it's a Japanese system. Where there are a lot mm. of JRPGs where you press A quite a lot, so they just made the A massive. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was just it's a brilliant controller. I still I, I don't currently have one, um, but I'm trying to get hold of one so I, uh, and a converter so I can use it to play Smash Brothers. Because if you're not playing Smash Brothers right on a on a GameCube controller, then you're not doing Smash Brothers right. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to get hold of one of those. Uh, Andy, uh, I think f- I'm probably going to have to say the N64. Oh. Uh, for for wow. many reasons, uh, primarily because it was the first console that really, really made me realise that games could be a, a truly wonderful thing, and you know, really were the the, the kind of hobby for me, really. Mm. And it came at a time where I was 
I was old enough to appreciate it, but young enough to not have any other kind of responsibilities. So <laughs> my entire life could just be devoted to just enjoying myself playing these kind of ridiculously ridiculous-looking games. You know, even the halcyon days. Yeah, yeah. Even, even the serious-looking games were kind of ridiculous. Remembering the, the jelly blood from Turok Dinosaur Hunter things. Oh like that. yes, and just just everything about it was just absolutely wonderful, and it kind of all started from there for me. So I'm definitely going to have to say the N64. Oh, what's yours, Mike? Um, I'm seriously tempted to complete the Nintendo trilogy and say the SNES because that was like you know the first home console I had, and it was home to Donkey Kong Country and Super Mario World mm-hmm. and the first Mario Kart and and so many games that I absolutely loved when I was a kid. But I've got to say, in terms of like sheer quality of games, I'm gonna have to say the PS2. Yeah, yeah, yeah good show. Yeah. It's. I think it's still the, the the biggest selling. I think it's the only console yeah. that the Wii didn't manage to beat in terms of of number of, <laughs> of units sold. And just like if you just look back through the, the the catalog of games that were on the PS2, it was it was absolutely amazing. It took what Sony had set in place with the with the, the PS1 and just kind of ran with it and just smashed all the competition completely. Mm. And there was there's so many fantastic like third party games and some of the best first party games I've ever played were on on that platform. So yeah, if I had to pick one console to take onto a desert island, complete with its back catalogue, <laughs> then it would have to be the PS2. Yeah, yeah. good show. Didn't they just um, finish supporting that like a couple yeah, of years did, ago did, in Japan? Did the last FIFA come out? It um, was FIFA like, yeah, 2014. Yeah, was was yeah, the last? 14, yeah, yeah, it's because um, because of like ridiculous, uh, ridiculously high tax on importing consoles and games into certain Latin American countries, specifically Brazil. Um, they don't get onto the new console generations unless, unless you're really rich until way, way down the line. And so this, there was still like a big, big market for PS2 games well, well, well into like the, 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 you know, the, the final years of the PS3 um, era. And so, mm. yeah, uh, I think it was FIFA 2014 was the last PS2 game that was made, and that, that was the same year that the PS4 came out. So yeah, they were still supporting as the PS4 came out, they were still making PS2 games. So yeah, absolutely incredible console. Our next couple of questions come in from Adam Belcher, at Bwartang on Twitter, and his first question says, uh, If you weren't podcasting about video games, what would be your subject of choice? Ooh. I'm going to guess yours would be film, Kev. Um, if, if it no, probably not because no? there's loads of. But well, I could talk about films for years, but um, there's loads of podcasts out there talking about films, so I'd probably go for drum machines. <laughs> I was going to say like my second guess was going to be synthesizers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, bizarrely, I can listen to a record and could usually tell you nine times out of ten what machines are being used on that record, yeah. which is just not something you want to do at a party I'm just <laughs> the, the lousiest party guest I come round I identify what synths are on what record and then get pissed in a corner on port let me run through every track on the downward spiral with you and tell you which which <laughs> drum machines Trent Reznor was using I can tell you exactly what samplers he were using as well <laughs> S900 and S950 were big ones I remember reading an, I really got to get uh, out I'm off a bit of a tangent I remember reading an article about that album um when he made it, he rent, uh, Trent Reznor rented a house in somewhere in um, the greater Los Angeles area uh, mm-hmm. and didn't find out until after he left because the real estate agent didn't tell him that it was the Manson house. 
Yeah, <laughs> the, no, Sharon Tate's house. It was where the, the Tate murders. Yeah, were that was done. yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was ironic because that's where he recorded Piggy as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough Nine Inch Nails. And we, we digress. Yeah, so you, so uh, yours would be about synths and drum machines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Andy. Uh, I suppose probably the only other thing I know anything about enough to at least to at least bullshit enough uh, about it for sixty to ninety <laughs> minutes is probably football. Yeah. So yeah, probably that. It's it, well, no, football is a notoriously easy thing to bullshit about. So yeah, I'd probably say that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Lawrence has been making a career out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Miserable bastard. <laughs> um, what would you do? Like a history of Aston Villa. <laughs> oh god no that'll just depress me the sad that's, sad that, history the last thing you want to talk about Villa is the glorious history well I don't know you'd have those few years when Martin O'Neill was spending far too much money <laughs> we don't those talk about years. that Mark we don't talk about that no no, <laughs> no, no we, we don't talk about the money he spent we just, he, he, did, he did a good job but uh, yeah I I don't know I'd say like, I'd, I, I'd say politics I'd probably want to do it but but i probably end up getting too angry and possibly end up getting banned from the internet it'd probably cost you a fortune in mics as it well would, yeah the amount of like mics you'd be mics. throwing down and it wouldn't do any good for my blood pressure either so no. um sausages <laughs> i'd uh no i do a podcast i'd probably do a podcast about films yeah mm. but it's specifically i would do a podcast about films as Werner herzog <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what I do. Yeah, I think it's about t- you, you've got to do an impression now, then, Mark. You can't just tease that and not do a Werner Herzog. Exactly. Yeah, you can't leave us hanging. Uh, I need something to talk about to be able to do Werner Herzog. <laughs> okay, ha- why don't you answer the next question as Werner Herzog? <laughs> okay. 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 Perfect. In fact, right, it ties so in quite well, actually. That should do, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> the next question, also from Adam Belcher, is: What is your favourite Nicolas Cage movie? <laughs> can't. Oh. Good shout. No yeah. doubt, no doubt, kind of. Or Lord of War, thrown in from left field there. Oh, that's cracking movie. <laughs> wow, what a shower of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> you look at his IMDb page, it's all over the place. Um, I would probably go for Vampire's Kiss. Oh, is that the um, the one with the infamous scene where he screams the alphabet at someone? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with vampire teeth and yeah. plastic vampire teeth. Oh, and <laughs> it's great because he's just playing Nicolas Cage the dialed up to a 12 yeah. and um, the rest of the, the rest of the cast seem to be in a completely different film everybody else seems to be in this really serious film and Nicolas Cage is just berserk all the way through it it's just like, what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah great enjoyable film what about you it's stupid oh god okay um I think <laughs> the greatest Nicolas Cage movie has to it's be. It's going a bit arny there. Going a bit arny. <laughs> yeah, there. I thought it was going no, a bit arny. No, no, no. <laughs> the greatest Nicolas Cage movie has to be uh, Raising Arizona. Um, Ooh. Because it shows the, the futility of life and trying to uh, right the wrongs of your past and become a good person because you just get hunted down by a, a scary man on a bicycle on a, on a motorcycle <laughs> and uh, fail to have a family of your own nice 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 a good, a good Werner explanation as well thank you <laughs> perfect Werner explanation in nature here is vile and base 
I wouldn't see anything erotical here. I would see fornication and asphyxiation and choking and fighting for survival and growing and just rotting away. Of course, there's a lot of misery, but it is the same misery that is all around us. The trees here are in misery and the birds are in misery. I don't think they, they sing, they just screech in pain. Our next question uh, from our very own Stuart Neal uh, at Saintly Stuart, and he says, with so many, <laughs> sorry, with so many highly visible people resigning from their jobs, it begs the question, <laughs> what is your favorite flavor of jam? <laughs> oh, oh. Raspberry. I love questions like this. <laughs> Raspberry. is a good shout, yeah. Although, although, have you ever tried, is it, um, have you ever tried bacon jam? Bacon jam. What? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Is that a weird West Midlands thing? Uh, no. Most things. Are. <laughs> but no, um, you, you, can have a, you can have a bacon jam. And it, it's actually it's not bad given the right context. I'm not going to have you know spread on toast or anything. But uh, given the right context, normally it's a condiment. But no, if I'm talking about jam, it's got to be raspberry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I thought my favourite jam is it's Chris Morris's jam. <laughs> Oh that yes, good jam. <laughs> yeah, that's good jam. probably the finest comedy yeah. ever done. <laughs> yeah, that show was yes. so twisted. Oh god, do you remember the uh, when it came out on DVD? Um, if you had the right sort of DVD <laughs> yes. player, if you put it on the forced viewing option, you couldn't turn the DVD player off or stop it <laughs> or skip. Um, unless you had a DVD player that had like a hard on-off button. The only way you could turn it off was unplugging it from the wall. That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a similar thing to uh, League of Gentlemen. When they released the first series on DVD, it said on the menu, main menu, um, are you local? If you pressed no, it turned off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. I don't know what mine would be. Sausage. Sausage jam. Sausage jam. From the West Midlands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've tried jalapeno jam. That's quite nice. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, the, the only person who people have been calling to quit this week who hasn't quit, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, um, actually makes his own jam. See, that's the sign of a big man yeah. right there. Yeah, he makes his own jam. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be all, <laughs> With his fist. I'm going to be all posh here. <laughs> My mum makes a very nice quince paste. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, okay, I'm seventy percent sure that's a metaphor for something. <laughs> no, no, honestly, it's, it goes very well. It goes very well with a piece of gammon. Um, no, the, the, we have a food market sure, that um, comes into into town um, once a month, and there's a guy there who sells jams and preserves, and he does a very nice uh, sweet chili jam. So I'm going to go Ooh, for that. Yeah. I'm checking the Urban Dictionary as we speak. What, <laughs> sure. It's probably a euphemism for something, but it's food as well. It's definitely food. You put it on, you put it on a piece of gammon. It's very nice. Our final question comes in from our very own Andy Piddy, at Andy Piddy on Twitter, and he says, "Who will be the next person to quit?" <laughs> very pertinent. Cause what, here? We, no, no, I don't think here. I think it means like. <laughs> In general, because at the moment, if you go down the job centre, you can see job postings for Prime Minister, <laughs> Leader of UKIP, various posts in the Shadow Cabinet, and presenter of Top Gear. So, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, thank God. I don't know. 
I, I know who I'd like to quit. Well, there's several people who I'd like to quit life. But um, <laughs> I think it's probably about time that Peter Molyneux quits video games. Bless him. Mm. He's tried. Bless He's, him. He made some video games that I absolutely loved when I was younger. I've, I've got very fond memories of... They're probably tech, like rose-tinted glasses now, probably awful, but very fond memories of playing Magic Carpet and... Um, Black and white, and various other bullfrog and lionhead games back in the day, and even the Fable games. But no, he just needs to stop. He needs <laughs> he needs to quit video games and just take his money and just retire somewhere in the sun. Just go and disappoint some people in another aspect of life. Yeah, just go and just go and make promises that he can't fulfil in a different <laughs> era, like a different, yeah. <laughs> you know, some other area. Yeah. Anyone else got any ideas? I think I'll follow the Molyneux. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to quit and follow Molyneux. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to follow him around and pick up all the shit that he leaves everywhere. <laughs> That's a full-time occupation, surely. Just take a big notebook and write down all of his ideas. <laughs> um, I'd like to see Donald Trump quit. You know, just give over now. Yeah, but where would all our entertainment come from? <laughs> you know, Good yeah, point. you know, we're in a shit state, then at least at least America is as well, so we're not suffering. Yeah, right? yeah that's it. At least we can always just point and laugh exactly. at Exactly, as long as he's here, it doesn't matter how bad it gets here, then we can always look across the pond and just be like, ah, oh, at least we haven't got Donald Trump, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> apologies to any Trump supporters who are listening. No, actually, no, no apologies to no. any Trump supporters who are listening, you're terrible people. Fuck you all. <laughs> Okay, moving on to what we've been playing. Uh, Kev, what have you been playing in the last week? Oh, balls, I <laughs> thought you'd ask Andy. Um, okay, you must have uh, played nothing. Now, I've, I've played about three, four hours on LEGO Star Wars um, Force oh, Awakens. Oh, nice. Ah, it's, it's even better than I expected it to be. It's even harder than I expected it to be as <laughs> well. <laughs> it's a strange one, because... You know, last week when I we was talking about the um, demo level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a weird one because that's actually about level three in the actual game. Oh, so does it start off at the very beginning of the film with... It starts off well before wow. that. It starts off with the Endor battle. Oh, okay. From Jedi. And it fills in the blanks between what happens at the end of Jedi and goes on, you know, to, for 30 years between. Okay. So um, it's it's great to see the uh, Emperor in full Lego as well. That's great. <laughs> Especially the um, uh, lightsaber duel with Darth mm. Vader. Uh, that's, that's good fun. Yeah, but I've got to level five and finally got onto the Millennium Falcon and not crashing it anymore. <laughs> Which is an inspired use of the Millennium Falcon because they actually create a hub level in the Falcon itself. So, needless to say, I spent quite a long time just wandering about it, you know, exploring all the Falcon, looking at all the little rooms, and yeah. um, takes you completely back. It's a Star Wars mm. fan's wet dream. <laughs> is the rest of it as difficult in places as that demo was because I had a similar problem that you had where like I, a lot of points during that demo I was like what am I supposed to be doing next I, I can't mm. figure out what I've got to do next and some of the shooting sections were a bit 
uh, challenging. Very inte- yes, for intense. what is supposed to be a kids' game, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, when it opens with the Endor forest scene, the first thing that you, you start with, your first screen, you've got eighteen stormtroopers shooting at you. Oh, Jesus. You're just thinking, I just want to hide behind the log and hope these all passes. <laughs> They're stormtroopers, though, so they probably just miss you. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do tend to miss you quite a lot. But then, of course, you've got the ATSTs as well. Ah, yeah, <laughs> they're fun. <laughs> so, going back to the Millennium Falcon, you can walk around. Mm-hmm. I always would like to. <laughs> Please tell me you can play that funky chess. I've not been able to play that funky chess yet, but I'm hoping that's some sort of further in that the game would be thing. Spectacular! That would sell it, it would for be. me alone. Just as a mini game, as a side, yeah. that would be a fantastic idea. Mm. <laughs> Uh, are you playing anything else at all? Nothing. No. I've been playing at editing podcasts. Not actually, <laughs> yeah, not actually doing it for real. You know, just doing, <laughs> just playing around with it. Yeah, just playing around. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Andy, what have you been playing? I've been, I've been actually relatively well disciplined um, of late uh, with games. Um, I've been playing mostly, been focusing on four games. Uh, I've been focusing on Divinity: Original Sin. Uh, the enhanced edition that's on the PS4. Uh, it's been on PS4 now. Um, I've wanted to play Divinity: Original Sin uh, since I first heard about its release. Uh, I think back in 2014. It looks like exactly the kind of game that I want to play. It's you know it's big. It's an RPG. It's turn-based. It's isometric. Big fan of isometric things. Uh, and it is absolutely brilliant. It's incredibly dynamic the way it works out. Um, it, it's it's a, it's like a squad-based RPG. So you're in a team of I think I think four is the maximum amount of people you can have. Um, you start off by creating two characters for yourself. They're kind of your primary. Um, uh, Protagonist is basically split in two, um, so you can, or you can do a, um, a lone wolf if you really want to. Um, but it, it's got that; it's a little bit Dragon's Dogma in the way that what you start off as has absolutely no bearing on what you get end up as. So oh, okay. you can start off with a ranger, and you can start off with uh, just like a, a tank. But then, mm-hmm. but within three hours. Your ranger could be turned into half ranger, half uh, half healer. So you know you could you could be, or you could be someone who's just as good with a bow as they are with a claymore. It's mm. incredibly flexible in the builds you can have. I really like that about it. Because the worst thing for someone like me who kind of gets distracted playing games is you start an RPG, you get like 15, 20 hours in, and you realise you know what the build that I've made, I do not like. It's not oh, kind of my play style at all. But with games You've like this, I've got no like, idea how many times I restarted uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Because oh, I mate, built yeah. a character, got through the first hour and was like, mm, I don't want to play as a, as a, you know, as a, an, an archer rogue. Yeah. I want to play as a mage. And then I'd play yeah. that for a bit and be like, uh, no, I want to play as a tank. Exactly, <clears> yeah. That, that's what kind of, that, that's what got me off um, Inquisition. I played a fair, a fair while of it, but basically Dragon's Dogma has ruined RPGs for me. Mm. Uh, because whenever I play a new RPG, I just think it, it, it's not Dragon's Dogma. And if, if Dragon Age Inquisition had that same kind of flexibility, where you can just swap your swap your your primary kind of role at the top of a hat, basically, that would be so good. Because otherwise, you're just wasting so much time. Because it isn't realistically until you actually get a few hours of the game, they actually know what you want to play or how yeah. you want to play it. And then you just waste all that time. And 
do you want to really want to go through that entire intro scene again? Because that introduction bit of Dragon Age Inquisition, Lord knows I've seen it five times now, it is a long and tedious <laughs> process. It is, yeah. Especially when you realise that the face creator, you've made this weird kind of soft-skinned, glowy, jelly-looking yeah. man. It's <laughs> weird that he looks absolutely brilliant yeah. when you're making it, but when you actually see him talking and thinking, why is this fresh-faced baby motherfucker doing it? Yeah. This is not suitable for this badass chosen dude with a th- anyway I digress uh, Division D original <laughs> scene is actually brilliant and anyone that likes RPGs um, really should check it out especially if you're uh, a fan of the, the whole kind of um, kind of harking back to the kind of old school of RPGs where it's uh, where it's turn based and it's isometric and everything like that it's absolutely brilliant yeah, it's, there's been a bit of a return to this sort of genre between games like this and um, Pillars of Eternity. Yeah, Wasteland and, 2. Um, Wasteland 2, yeah. yeah. Which is, Wasteland 2 is basically what Fallout 3 was going to be before yeah. uh, Bethesda took it over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a genre of game that I used to absolutely love and I'd, I'd love to get back into once I clear my massive backlog. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've also been distracted a fair bit with Duskers on Steam, uh, which uh, if you haven't played, uh, you should, essentially. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's a little indie game by a developer called Misfits Attic, and it's kind of, the best way of describing it is it's a tactical, roguelike, squad-based, sci-fi, survival, horror puzzle game. <laughs> it, it, is, it is essentially everything you could possibly want. Um, the concept is you're in space, you're alone, everybody's dead. What killed everyone? Don't know. Who you are? Don't know. All you know is your main kind of aim is just to wander around space, uh, docking in uh, docking in different ships which are abandoned, and taking your little group of drones. You can have a, a maximum of a squad of four little drones. Taking them around, room by the the, the the ships are all laid out from a top-down perspective. You know, like um, like FTL. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that, pretty much exactly that. So that kind of layout, and you just take them through different rooms, collecting scrap, collecting fuel, finding out what the hell's happened. Uh, but in the meantime, um, ships, rooms, they could be infested with these like little monster things. And uh, basically, if you see a monster, your, your drone's dead. It's as simple as that. You're not going to be able to fight these things because your drones are, on the whole, defenseless. So mm. it becomes quite this tense game of cat and mouse whilst you're there trying to coax them, one of the monsters out of this room that you want to get into to check if it's got these supplies which are so desperately needed. And you've got this little um, motion sensor. Uh, the motion sensor, you inactivate it, it will only tell you what is in the rooms directly linked to you. Um, so it'll either be green, there's nothing in there. Red, there's something in there. Yellow, doesn't know if there's something in there or not. And mm-hmm. so what you've got to do there, you've got to, you know, you've got to think about it. You've got to, you've got to open the room that is yellow into the room that is green. Kind of hope that you've waited long enough. If nothing happens, then oh, there mustn't be anything in there. I'll take my drone in. That might not necessarily be the case. It might just be one of those monsters that's really fucking slow. So by the time you get in there, it's there and it's waiting for you, and your drone is down. And once and it, it's permadeath, so once your drone is down, your drone is down, unless you can somehow get another drone to go in there and tow it out. And you know what happens if you try and do that? That drone will go as well. So it, it's truly brutal, um, and it's it's all kind of wrapped up in this absolutely wonderful. 70s sci-fi imagining of um, futuristic computers. Mm. So it's all um, like black with 
yellow and green lines with static and all these beeps and whirs and crunches and things. It, it kind of, it feels exactly like you're playing using Mother in uh, in the first Alien. Oh, it's, it's got, oh yeah. It, it's it's such a kind of heart back to that seventies sci-fi uh, imagining. And if you're a fan of any of those um, games that I mentioned at the start, or if you're even just a fan of seventies sci-fi, play this game because it would just it will knock your socks off. It is absolutely something special. It really is. Um, I've also been playing um, Steamworld Heist, uh, which has finally been released for PlayStation 4. I think it's out for the Xbox One as well. Uh, it came out for the 3DS last year, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of a sequel, not really a sequel, but it's in the same kind of gaming universe as Steamworld Dig which I really enjoyed uh, on the PS4 and the PS Vita. And uh, Steam Old Heist is it's a tactical squad shooter, uh, but similar to similar vein to XCOM. But unlike XCOM, it doesn't share that absolutely infuriating aim and dice roll aspect of it. So it's not you could have your guy standing right next to an enemy in XCOM. He might just miss him, even though he's literally right in front of him. He's a highly trained soldier. <laughs> in Steam Old Heist, every shot you make is dependent entirely on how you've aimed it. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Um, the amount of frustration you get in games like XCOM, uh, as much as I love them, as I mentioned, um, Steam Old Heist really nails it for that. And it's got that real kind of... Um, Futuristic, steampunky, roboty, Wild West um, aesthetic, which what Steam Old Dig offered. Mm. And you go around, you you recruit different ragtag members onto your team, each with their own personality, each with their own set of skills. And it is a really nice, really gentle, kind of quite forgiving, uh, due to the fact that you're playing as robots. If if a robot dies on a mission, then you could just reassemble them before the next mission. So there's not really a huge loss if, if you if you fail a mission. It's it's just really gentle, really forgiving, truly quite awesome way to spend your time if you just want to sit back and just enjoy looking at a nice, colourful game with which has got a pretty mean sense of humour to it. Yeah, I remember watching some footage of this when it came out on um, 3DS and really, really liking what I saw. Um, it's like yeah, you were saying, it's, it's sort of like that turn-based um, XCOM sort of combat, but taking out the dice roll yeah. of whether or not your soldiers will actually be able to connect with their shots. Yeah. Um, also, like the fact that you, you can also use the environment to ricochet bullets around. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, you can yeah. make these awesome trick shots um, yeah. where you can feel like such a big man. <laughs> where by just having your bully ricochet off about four different surfaces and hit this guy square in the head. Oh, when he's got hats, hats are always good. Yeah. So um, you can, if, if you see an enemy and he's got a cool hat that you like, fine, just shoot it off his head and then you can go and pick it up and you've got a new hat. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> can you get a hard copy of this? Or it's, I, believe, I believe it's download only. Uh yeah, it'll be quite a small game. It's, it's the sort of thing that will probably end up in a uh, on a PlayStation uh, 
sale at some point in the future. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think if everything not, does, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah, it, 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 it's it's already about 15, 16 quid. So mm. yeah, that's one I'm going to keep my eye out for. Mm. It does sound like it'd be my kind of thing as well. That it's it's the kind of thing I can potentially see making a relatively easy transition onto uh, mobile and mobile devices. To be honest, um, the same way that XCOM did. There's mm. no reason why it couldn't work on a tablet whatsoever. Yeah, if it sells well enough, I don't see why not. Exactly, yeah. And mm. I'm sure it is. Uh, well, at least I hope it is. It could be better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to do the last game then? Oh, yeah. I've been playing... I put it last on my list mostly because I know that um, yourself gonna, is going to say a hell of a lot more than me about it because it's basically <laughs> your jam. Uh, I've, been playing, I've been playing some Overwatch which is brilliant um, I didn't. I initially didn't expect myself to get the game at all um, I had this foolish notion that a first person competitive shooter that by doing well you don't actually unlock any specific tangible level upgrades or new weapons or new guns I just didn't think that would particularly interest me as a man who as a man who enjoys who enjoys chasing numbers but <laughs> It doesn't make a jot of difference. It is just the most fun experience I've had with a video game for some time. Mm. Um, it is. It's really quite. It's quite forgiving as well. I hear so many people saying, "Don't even bother training it, playing it. If you're playing it solo, it needs to be played with a team." That's that's bullshit. This is a game that can be played by yourself it is yeah. absolutely fine you can just sit back you can pick a character that you know works or just get yourself into another character and if you're if you're at least say, you know 6 out of 10 good at these kind of games you're probably going to be featured at some point you know in, in the end of in the end of game port because it, it seems to be that no one really has much of an idea what the fuck they're doing no, she's great. No. Um, so you know, everyone has games where they're storming. Everyone games has games where they're terrible. I, I played a game. I played about what ten games in a row the other night, and there wasn't one time where the same person was just dominating it uh, several games in a row as you would find in other games. Just the way it's balanced and the way things work out, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a masterpiece in, yeah. in its design. Yeah, it's it's the way that different characters have different advantages over other characters and the way that different team compositions work on different maps, not only on different maps, but also on different stages of the map. So, um, like when we're, when me and some friends are playing together as a group, when you're playing uh, one of the payload matches where you have to capture the point first before the payload becomes available, so um, King's Row and Numbani, in particular, like you'll have, you're going to have one team composition for capturing the point, and then that team composition isn't going to work to to escort the payload. So then you have to change up the team composition to be able to ex escort the payload. And then depending on the map, different stages when you get to the next checkpoint, and then you're in another another type of room, a different team composition is going to work for the attacker, and a different composition is going to work for the defense. And then it's going to be changing up depending on what team composition the other team's got and whether you know if if they're they've got like a a bastion posted in the corner who's just shredding your team then someone will need to pick a character who can counter it um on the whole you don't find that people do that when you're playing the pickup groups because people tend to go and try and hunt the kills rather than playing as a, as, a, as a group but that means that you get more of an opportunity to shine yourself if you're actually one of the few people playing the objective um, 
But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it works a hell of a lot better when you're playing, in my opinion, works a hell of a lot better when you're playing together as a group. The competition's a lot stiffer because I'm pretty sure, given how long it takes to matchmake a game when you're in a team of six, that it will try and matchmake full groups against other full groups. And so when you get into those matches, it becomes incredibly competitive and incredibly um, tense, and the matches are very close. And uh, you know, I haven't played. Uh, competitive mode yet because that doesn't come out until tomorrow at some point um, but um, yeah I'm looking forward to jumping on that and, and that will give you some 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 sort of some semblance of unlocks because uh, depending on how well you do you'll be able to unlock golden versions of the weapons to oh, show well, there off. we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it, the whole thing about um, each diff, each character has has the advantage in a certain area each character mm. has a certain fall in a different area and that goes back to the point I made about you, know, you don't have to be particularly good at these games to do well no. in them uh, because even by accident you could select the perfect character for that particular time in the stage and you could end up just absolutely winning it purely just because you've selected the right person the right place at the right time I was playing a mode mm. the other night it was part of the payload, payload mode so I think I, I told you about it Mark mm. and um, was it what's the stage where it's set in Victorian England I think you may have mentioned King's Row King's Row and it, the final part the final part of the payload bit is you're in this warehouse and they have to you have to the, the attacking team has to get their payload in the middle of the warehouse. The defending team obviously has to defend the warehouse. And uh, my team were just, were they attacking and they're just getting absolutely battered because right in the entrance of the warehouse, you had Widowmaker. You had someone who was Widowmaker, who's the sniper. You had someone who is Hanzo, who is another sniper who's got a bow and arrow. In fact, there was two Hanzos, and there was someone who's playing <laughs> oh as Bastion as well. And Bastion is, is the character who can just set himself up as a turret and just absolutely rinse it. So no mm. one can get anywhere near them. I, I kind of lost my temper a little. Bit, I thought, you know what, fuck you, I'm going to select Reaper. Reaper, I'm a big fan of. He's just this destructive, ultimately offensive character. He runs around with dual kind of shotgun pistols. He's an absolute monster of a man. Um, I managed to somehow manage to find a, a set of stairs that flanked behind the back of the uh, behind the back of the warehouse. I jumped down. I ruined one of the Widowmakers. Ruined one of the Hansos. Went destroyed the um, destroyed the Bastion. Did this kind of uh, this kind of transport blink thing that Reaper can do behind the other hand? So shot him, felt like the absolute bollocks uh, <laughs> until I got killed. But yeah, I was just like, you know what? I do not care. I have just, I have just had one of those little moments that you only seem to get in Battlefield. And yeah, Blizzard have managed to capture that kind of in you know in inverted commas battlefield moment. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's definitely got things like that stuff that like a lot of shooters don't have. Like you can get some interesting moments that will happen, or like crazy kills that will happen, like Call of Duty or yeah. Halo and things like that. But the sort of stuff that you see once and you think, "Oh my god, that was absolutely incredible!" Like I was playing a match the other day, um, and we were sat on the payloads uh, on one of the capture points, <clears throat> really close to being to capturing it and, and finishing the match. And on the other team, someone was playing as Diva, who is like a tank character. She's like a, a South Korean pro gamer uh, who who runs around in like a big mech suit. And her ultra is that she can cause her mech suit to self-destruct. So she hit the boost and then hit the ultra. So her mech flew into the middle of the area where we were and was like counting down to self-destruct. And we're like, fuck, we're all going to die. And then the guy on our team who was playing as Reinhardt, who's uh, another tank with a big hammer and a shield, one of his powers is he can do a charge. And he just faced this 
this uh, about to self-destruct tank and did his charge, pushed it out of the way, killed it, killing himself, but sacrificed himself to save the team oh and win the God. match. <laughs> and like, there's just little moments like that that you just don't get in other games. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could I could talk about Overwatch for for hours. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually got the taped record of it as well. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we must have talked about it for a good third of the last episode, I think. Not now, you haven't. <laughs> no, oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, um, I'll quickly run through what I've been playing then. Um, first of all, uh, there was another elusive contract on Hitman. Um, these are the uh, the sort of timed objectives that they put into the, the, the Hitman levels, where there'll be a new new target that you've got to find out where they are, find out how to kill them, kill them and then get out without being spotted which, considering I can do it, you know, with the actual main targets on these maps should be fine, but I'm now zero for two on attempts on these um, uh, on these <laughs> elusive targets, so the first one I did uh, the other week uh, was on the, the Paris level, and after spending about an hour trying to hunt him down I finally found him um, scoped out for ages how to, to get him killed. Thought I could do it rather stealthily, and then got spotted putting poison in his glass of vodka, uh, and got gunned <laughs> down. And then another one got added on the other day, and they show a little video at the beginning, and I knew exactly where he was. He was in. So this is uh, this new was on the Marrakesh level, and he's in the basement underneath the Swedish consulate. And I knew exactly where that was. I knew how to get there. I knew how to get one of the army costumes to be able to get in there and not get spotted. But even when you're in costume, um, Agent 47 can get spotted by the higher-ranking soldiers who will know who their their men are and will notice that one of them is someone they haven't seen before. So you kind of have to stay away from them. And his particular elusive contract was surrounded by, by those soldiers. And so I scoped him out for ages trying to work out how to kill him. And in the end, when nobody was watching, pulled the fire alarm. Um, so that then he evacuated, surrounded by a group of his bodyguards. And I managed to draw them away and take them out one by one. So he had no bodyguards left. And then when he got to the staging point before he moved on to his next safe point, I thought, right, there's no one around here. I'm going to snap his neck and hide his body in a laundry basket. And one of the civilians just came around the corner as I was doing it, spotted me and went crazy. And then all the soldiers nearby descended on me and gunned me down. Shit. And then when that happens, you can't try it again. <laughs> If you fail that badly, then it just says mission failed, done. Oh, forgiving then. You've had enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you, like on the normal ones, it's fine. Like if if you muck up, then you just start the level again. But the elusive contracts, if you when at any point when you're trying to plan it, if you haven't got your planning quite right, then you can just quit mm. and restart. If you actually, you know, go all the way through with it and and mess up, then you're done. You can't try it again. So two elusive contracts in, and I failed both of them. <laughs> so uh, next time I'm gonna I'm gonna spend like an entire evening just <laughs> working out exactly how I'm gonna do it. Get that notepad out again. <laughs> yes, yeah. Get, get out my Hitman Go notepad <laughs> and start start drawing diagrams. Um, what else have we been playing? Uh, I played another Gear VR game. Um, still been playing through some of the other ones I got, like. Um, uh, Eve, Gunjack, and um, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which is... Uh, that does sound hilarious. 
it's so much fun. Um, it's the sort of game I was, I was saying, like, it's the sort of game that we could conceivably play over Skype. Because only one person would need to have the game. They'd be the only person who could actually mm. do the defusing. But as long as everybody else on Skype has, you know, can bring up the, the manual, which is free to, to view on their website, then you could play it over Skype. Um, but yeah, really, really good game. But I've been playing um, a little bit on my lunch breaks a game called Bait. Um, which is a free game on the Oculus Gear VR store. It's just a f- fishing game, basically a first-person fishing game, um, and it's and it's not, there's nothing really specifically amazing about it. You just get contracts to 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 get specific types of fish, and you go to different fishing holes and just fish until you catch that fish. But it's just really, really relaxing. Um, so yeah, when I'm when I'm home on lunch break, I'll stick the gear VR on and just block out the outside world and fish for <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> um, I've been playing some more Super Mario Maker on the Wii U. Um, going back because I hadn't played it in a while, um, apart from like going on every now and then and just noodling away. I'm working on my magnum opus, my master level. Um, but that's taking a long time to come together, so I'm chipping away at that. But I, I went on just to play some levels, um, and the they have community levels that are uploaded. Like they're usually done in collaboration with something. So, for instance, like the latest one that's gone up is a Sean the Sheep themed level done in collaboration with Ardman Productions. Um, and there was a a level that I played through, which was uh, th- which was themed around and featured the voices of the three Japanese girls in that crazy Japanese metal band Baby Metal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting level. And there was like a Hello Kitty one and um, one themed around uh, the starting Pokemon from the original Pokemon back in the day. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and it's really cool. But whenever you complete one of these levels, you unlock the skin as well. So when you complete the Shaun of the Sheep, when you get Shaun of the Sheep skin, that then you can use when you make your own levels and the same with all the other ones. And yeah, um... As good as some of the um, user-created levels can be, like the community levels are absolutely fantastic, and some of them are fiendishly difficult, but they're really, really well designed. Um, considering they're just basically promotional tools, um, they're really damn good. Uh, and then the last game I've been playing, uh, apart from Overwatch, uh, is uh, Kerbal Space Program. I uh, went on a bit of a splurge on the Steam sale, and I bought a bunch of games, a, cu- a, a couple that I'll, I'll talk about on a future episode once I played a little bit more on a Stanley Parable and Undertale. Um, but I got Kerbal Space Program and launched the fledging Laps Gamer Space Program last night <laughs> with a view of trying to get a Kerbal to the moon, plant a Laps Gamer radio flag in the moon and then get them back again. Um, I tried this repeatedly in the demo with the limited tools that you got, and I couldn't really get there. I, I could, I could just about get into sort of an awkward orbit around the moon and then run out of fuel. Um, so now I'd got the full version, unlocked all the tools, ran through the tutorials, knew exactly what I needed to do to get up into a stable orbit on the same plane as the moon, get escape the Earth's orbit and get into a capture orbit around the moon, then get into a stable orbit around that, and then make a descent spent hours doing this went through four or five different ship designs before I'd actually got one that could get off the earth without exploding because <laughs> um, they were all really really unstable and fell apart halfway halfway out of the earth's atmosphere or would run out of fuel as soon as they'd made it into orbit um, so I finally got a ship managed to get it around the the moon's orbit was making a really really steady 
uh, descent down onto the moon. And then I got to the final stage where you've got to slowly lower the capsule with the landing gear down onto the moon's surface and that means balancing the throttle really really carefully and I kept on sort of like getting within touching distance and then putting a little bit too much acceleration on so it would take off again and then all the while it was slowly starting to move sideways and then I got the capsule down onto the surface of the moon and it immediately fell over <laughs> so <clears throat> Jebediah Kerman <laughs> yeah Jebediah Kerman the first Laps gamer cosmonaut to make it onto the surface of the moon has left his his capsule and uh, plonked the flag on the moon, but now has no way of getting home. So, like a shit version of the Martian, I now have to build a ship to be able to get back to the moon and rescue him and get him back. And I don't I have no idea how I'm going to do it, considering I can't, I, I haven't worked out how to safely land anything on the moon yet. So, um. Yeah. Do you have like an in-game time limit when that happens before your mm. little Kerbal Man? No, no, it's, it's very forgiving in that like the Kerbals never seem to need to go to the bathroom or eat or drink or they never run out of oxygen and their um, the thrusters on their spacesuits are way more powerful than anything that could possibly exist in real life. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so... He's he's there. He's, when he's there, he's fine. He's not going to die unless when I go to rescue him, I somehow manage to land the ship on top of him. Um, <laughs> but given how Which big those the are very target, there well, <laughs> yeah. the thing is, I thought there'd be a very real chance of it. But then, the size of the moon and the, the, how difficult it is to get into exactly the same position you were before. If mm. I do manage to finally land another lander on the planet uh, on the moon, it's going to be miles away from where Jebediah is. So I'm gonna, not only am I going to have to build a lander, I'm also going to have to build a lunar rover to be able to go and actually pick him up and get him back to the other craft and then make it home. So um, yeah, I'm going to go back to the drawing board and try and build some sort of rescue vessel but um i'm going to start doing a um a video series for the youtube channel where mm. i um document my my trials of of, of trying to i was gonna say that, that sounds like a brilliant blog or video uh, yeah idea, it does for sure for sure i think i'll probably tune in about 12 months in and <laughs> just just watch this one kerbal spaceman trying to jet back back to earth <laughs> Oh, oh, ye, ye of little faith. No. <laughs> In 12 months' time, I'm going to have a, a fully operational, um, uh, you know, uh, Logan space Trump? program. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to have space stations and I'm going to have lunar landers that'll, that'll land. I'll be able to land on the moon and take off again and travel to the other planets around the solar system. I'm going to master this game. I am going to master this game. <laughs> it's just the only problem is it's like, like I said when I was talking about the, the demo a few weeks ago, it's like it's forcing me to to look at things that I haven't looked at since I did like A-level physics. I'm having to learn about delta Vs and, and remember what little I do know about orbital mechanics and um, uh, and like it's little things like um, when you're designing your craft, it's, it's all well and good building a craft. You think, right, that'll get off the planet, and then you look, then you look at where its center of gravity is, and where the center of thrust is, and where the center of drag is, and you realise, no, this thing's just going to flip over as soon as it leaves the platform. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much physics involved, um, but at the same time, it probably could be played by anyone mm. uh, as long as you've got the patience to just learn how to play it. Mm. Um, and it's there's more of a sense of accomplishment, I think, 
in playing this game than, than with most other games. Like, um, someone, uh, when Giant Bomb were doing their video series, someone in there was talking about how, like, when you beat a, a, a difficult boss in Dark Souls, you, you feel like a sense of accomplishment, but all you've done is beaten a video game boss. But when you manage to take, when you manage to get a craft from the Earth to the Moon and back, not only have you accomplished something difficult in the game, but you've also learnt a little bit about physics and orbital mechanics and, and things like that. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this game. I'm <laughs> so happy that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I know about orbital mechanics is where I've learned from Star Trek, so I'll be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch the film Interstellar. That's, there's loads of science in there. It'll be fine. Interstellar and, just, and the Martian. And just make sure that make sure none of your spacemen are wearing red shirts. <laughs> exactly. And don't yeah, hide no. behind the bookcase. <laughs> no, none of them can wear red shirts. They all wear like just simple white spacesuits. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I will rescue Jebediah Kerman, and I will. Uh, I'm going to get video proof of it. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I've been playing this week. Right, moving on to the news. Um, here's a few select news pieces that have uh, come across our, uh, our attention over the last week or so. Um, first of all, this is a new one that popped up today, I think, or at least I first became aware of it today. And it's only really tangentially attached to gaming, but... We'll talk about it anyway, uh, and that's that Steam warns against uh, warns users against gambling site after YouTube stars discovered as owners. Um, this is something that popped up on um, one of the internet today. Um, H3H3, a popular YouTube channel, did a, a video about it and um, sort of alerted people's attention to it. And it's basically something I didn't even know existed that you there were websites where you could well a specific website where you could go and pay real money to gamble for the chance to win skins for guns in Counter-Strike Go. Now, I don't normally like to um, say that I feel that I'm like a superior character to certain people, but if that is how, to choose, you know, how you choose to live your life, then there's something gone seriously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, either that or you just got more money too than much, sense. Yeah, too much money. Yeah. At which point, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Spend your money however you want. <laughs> but um, what was really dodgy about this is... So there was this this website. Um, uh, what was it called? Um, CSGO Lotto or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, CSGO Lotto. Uh, where you could go and pay real money to gamble for the chance to, to win Counter-Strike Go skins. And there are a couple of prominent CSGO YouTubers, um, Trevor T. Martin Martin and Tom Syndicate Cassell, who were doing videos where they were basically going onto this website and being like, oh, I just, uh, you know, I, I, um, check this out, I just spent $50 and won like hundreds of dollars worth of stuff and uh, one of them did a video that's like, uh, win $13,000 in 20 minutes or something like that. And they were running them as like, sort of like, go and check this this website out, it's crazy. Uh, and then people discovered that they owned the website. Not only did they own the website, they founded the website as well. Uh, and then were like deluding their, or misleading their, their, their YouTube viewers into thinking that, that it was something they'd found and that something where you could genuinely win money. Whereas they were obviously rigging the system so that they would win stuff from their own website, mm. live on their YouTube videos to try and drive people over towards it and it's just so unbelievably shady it's fraud it's, um, it's fraud it's simple as that 
Yeah, it is. Mm. It's basically yeah. fraud, yeah. Mm. Um, and it's been going on for a while, and uh, Valve and Steam have only today decided to step in once the people have started becoming angry about it, once they realised what was going on. It's only now that Steam have stepped in and said, oh, okay, th- this is bad, so n- now you can't, can't use this website. And from what I can see... Uh, based on the, the screenshots they've got up on uh, the, the article on Eurogamer, um, you could access it through the Steam Store. Yeah, um, all that comes um, up... Uh, you could log into CSGO Lotto through the Steam Store. Yeah, mm. there's, there's just a little message that comes up and says, basically, this is a bad thing, we advise you not to do it, but by all means, if you want to, just click that you still want to, ac- still want to access it. So mm. the, the mm. access is still there, and if you, if you want to do it, you still can. Uh, well, uh, attempts to log into CSGO Lotto now uh, and it says so you agree to follow with the, the, with the following warning it says that the URL you are attempting to log into has been blocked by our moderators and staff the site may be engaged in phishing scamming spamming or delivering malware it not maybe it definitely is <laughs> but the fact that it was ongoing for I mean I don't want to say that you know outright that Valve were complicit in this but not not a lot really gets well, I don't know. I'd say not a lot gets by them, but given the quality of some of the games that are available on Steam Greenlight um, and Steam Early Access, I don't know <laughs> if they do pay that much attention to what's on the Steam Store. But still, the whole thing is in- incredibly dodgy, and um, the two YouTubers in-, in question have started rolling back and trying to... First of all, they were saying that they, they-, they tried to distance themselves from it, saying like they-, they didn't have anything to do with it, and then when people discovered that they did... And they owned it, and they were the founders. Then they kind of, well, I don't know whether they've apologised at all. There just seems to be a, a, a sort of a bit, a little bit of radio silence from them about it. Uh, They're just what, kind of ignoring it and yeah. deleting entire yeah um, one, one playlists. Of those deleting uh, one of his videos that referred to it. Um, yeah, I think uh, Syndicate. He's tweeted out today, basically admitting he was at fault, but being a kind mm. of kind of kind of a wishy-washy apology, just basically saying, "I promise never to do this again." Uh, saying something about it's going to be more transparency in the future. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're acknowledging that they did something wrong. I think at best they were just insanely naive. At worst, it's quite malicious and uh, unfair on a gaming community who who can be easily exploited, as is evidenced mm-hmm. by the, the sheer concept of this entire project and venture. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes Valve make a pretty penny from from selling these weapon skins or selling the packs that you can get weapon skins in, um, and people pay for it. So it was just exploiting that. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even give them the the benefit of saying that they were naive because they were. If you watch the videos, they were portraying this website as if it's something that they had found and didn't and had nothing to do with. So they were deliberately misleading their viewers. Um, yeah, a lot of shadiness on YouTube. Naughty boys. Naughty there you boys. go. Naughty, naughty boys. Uh, our next news story is that uh, Battlefield 1's launch maps, modes, and campaign details have been linked through uh, a leaked, sorry, through a closed alpha. Uh, it's another story coming from Eurogamer. Um, Battlefield 1 has been extensively data mined during the closed alpha that is currently running for a select few players, uh, revealing what would seem to be every major detail about DICE's forthcoming period shooter. Um, Redditor Lowbix300 compiled a comprehensive list um, makes for some revealing claims about the shooter namely it'll have 10 multiplayer maps and 7 game modes um, 
which is the same number of maps are on Battlefield 4, but I want to say more game modes than were on Battlefield 4, because like uh, it's got the old Battlefield favourites, Rush and Conquest, um, but then some new modes like Possession and Breakthrough, which I don't, you know, don't really know anything about, and I'm guessing that the people who are playing the closed alpha might be under NDAs, so can't really mm. say yeah, too much you, about them. You presume so. Yeah, yeah. If, if if they've even have access to these new game modes, but it, that's I mean, I'm a little bit unsure about Battlefield One. When that launch trailer came out, I was I, I was incredibly excited about it, and then after EA's E3 conference, uh, when they had that long gameplay um, session with prominent YouTubers and stone celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> It just looked like a reskin of Battlefield 4, and I was hoping that it would be more than that. Uh, now, I've only seen that one map uh, being played, but it didn't excite me like I thought that it would. Um, yeah, like I said on the E3 episodes, I mean, it comes out the week after Titanfall 2 um, from the same publisher, and Titanfall 2 looks a hell of a lot more appealing to me at the moment than Battlefield 1 does. Um, yeah, they've re- they revealed what the names of the maps are. Um, there's uh, one that's called Mountain Fort, and there's Italian Coast, and there's some forest levels and desert levels. So at least there will be like some variety, uh, because the the one that they showed off after the A conference was sort of just like brown, bombed out buildings and lots of smoke. Um, uh, and they've also revealed that there will be horses involved in the multiplayer. Um, it notes, uh, the, the, the leaker notes that one significant change to the stats logged in this particular battlefield with horse killed and horse wounded have now added. So um, I'm guessing horses are going to be like a, 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 some, I don't know, maybe the equivalent of the uh, the dirt bikes in Battlefield mm. 4. This could get nasty. Stra- yeah. Strap a C4 onto it and ride it into uh, <laughs> enemy lines. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favourite thing to do on some of the big open levels on Battlefield 4 was strap some C4 to the bike and then ride it around until you found an enemy tank accelerate at full speed at the tank then jump off the bike and detonate the C4 when the bike hit it um, tank drivers hated that on those big maps <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I'm reserving judgement for Battlefield 4 until I see some more footage and then even then given what Battlefield's uh, sorry Battlefield Battlefield 1, I'm reserving judgment of that. Um, but given how Battlefield 4 launched and Battlefield 3 before it, where the servers were a mess for months after launch, yeah. I am not expecting the game to be good when it comes out. So I think I'll stick with getting Titanfall 2 and then pick up Battlefield 1 a little way down the line once DICE have managed to fix their servers because EA has a habit of making DICE push out a Battlefield game a little bit too quickly. Um... Which and despite the fact that Battlefield 4 came out in 2013, uh, and so they've had three years, they have been working on other things as well, uh, and lots of DLC and map packs for Battlefield 4, as well as helping out with other games. So I don't, I, I, I'm fully expecting the game to not be finished when it comes out. It's a weird one if they are rushing it out because, as you said, it's coming a week after Titanfall and it just seems like a very strange time to release a game like this when just a week after a game which was massive when it came out for Xbox One is finally coming out 
across pl- you know different platforms and yeah. they obviously sell incredibly well. I wonder whether they're banking on the fact that you have your COD players and you have your Battlefield players and the crossover on that Venn diagram is not as big as people realise. Um, there's not a huge amount of crossover. People kind of go for one or the other. Oh god, yeah. As, 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 a, co- know as a COD player trying to play Battlefield, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a few good few people who play both, but on the whole, you kind of pick one camp. And I wonder if they're banking on Titanfall 2 to be eating into the COD sales and then Battlefield 1 to be out there as the new Battlefield game for the Battlefield players. Uh, but we'll see. When it, when is it actually been released? Uh, it's November Don't say the 11th. No, no. Um, <laughs> I kind of want them to say that it'll be out by Christmas but then delay it for another four years. It's October 21st. <laughs> oh, that's alright then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's October 21st and then Titanfall 2 comes out the week no Titanfall 2 comes out the week after that's oh, it because okay. the week before um, people with uh, Origin access and EA access on Xbox One uh, will be able to play it a week early and then it comes out on October 21st and then exactly a week later Titanfall 2 comes out I'm just throwing it out here but um, there's a great DLC pack they'd be able to pick up on if they really think this one through um, a Christmas Day download where everybody stops and has a game nice of football halfway through. <laughs> yeah, <That'd> be incredible. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, that's been postulated before actually. Like that, EA makes FIFA as well. Yeah. Mm. So it would be really funny if yeah you logged into um, if people said it'd be really funny if you logged into to um, Battlefield One on Christmas Day and it just loaded up. A version of FIFA <laughs> with um, the Allies against the uh, against the Germans um, with Paul McCartney. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't do that on Christmas Day because you think of like the number of people who'd be getting Battlefield One on Christmas Day if they loaded it up and it was FIFA, they'd freak out. <laughs> uh, next news story is that there is a big Xbox Summer Sale um, kicking off tomorrow as we record. Uh, the 5th of July <laughs> and it's running through to the 11th which if I pull my finger out and get this episode edited in time will give you one maybe two days to download some games from the, the Xbox uh, big summer sale be quick um, yeah but they, it's, a, it's a big old sale there's 250, da- uh, 250 deals across uh, Xbox One and Xbox 360 oh and Windows 10 games as well of course oh, because God. that goes, through, goes hand in hand uh, it's up to 60% off you usually get like 40 or 50% off and then an extra 10% off if you've got Xbox Live uh, Gold membership. Uh, there's a full list uh, available on Major Nelson's website. Major Nelson's such a preposterous character. He's a, <laughs> he's a middle-aged guy with a who calls himself Major Nelson and pretends to be a gamer kid. But yeah, that's another discussion for another day. Um, but some of the highlights include uh, Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls, which is um, 40 to 50% off. Uh, same with Fallout 4, Halo 5 uh, Guardians. You get 50 to 60% off Just Cause 3, which, Kevin, I know you're a big yeah. fan of. Yeah, but I got um, a similar deal anyway ooh, a couple of weeks ago from PlayStation yeah. Store. I got the yeah. XL pack. Mm, yeah, I still want to. What's the frame rate like on that on PS4? Because when it first came out, I heard it was terrible. Yeah, it's but a I don't know if they fixed it. It still works. It works okay. They were pretty sharp with fixing it. Uh, right. There were loads of people complaining about loading screens and stuff, and they were pretty much on it. And within days, it had been fixed. That's promising. I might have to pick it up then. It's a damn good game. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Life is Strange: The Complete Season, fifty to sixty percent off. 
Uh, the Evil Within, 67 to 75% off. Uh, the Witcher 3, uh, Wild Hunt, 40 to 50% off. And Wolfenstein The New Order, which is 67 to 75% off. And then there's also deals on Xbox 360 for Crackdown 2, Deus Ex Human Revolution, Red Dead Redemption, mm. Sid Meier's Civilization Revolution, which is a brilliant game, yep. um, Spec Ops The Line, and Witcher 2 Assassin of Kings uh, Enhanced Edition. Yeah, 85% off. That's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it's a really good game. It's not. Uh, it's nowhere near as good as The Witcher Three, but it's it's a bloody good game. I definitely recommend picking that up. There are some there are some good games there, but as Kev said, uh, pretty much every single one of those games on the Xbox One list, except for Halo Five, of course, have been on as good, if not better, offer on the PSN in hmm. within the last four or five months. Hmm. I'm not maybe sure. Just playing catch up, maybe. Yeah, it seems to be. It's like. Well, I suppose not a lot of people have both, so I can um, see what Yeah, I mean, I don't know how the sales have been working on Xbox because I haven't turned my, I haven't actually taken my Xbox 360 out of its box since I moved into this flat, and I don't have an Xbox One, um, and I'm not using Windows 10 Game Store. <laughs> um, so I don't know what their sales are like, but PlayStation 4 sales have been often and very aggressive mm. I, I, I can attest to that Jesus Christ it's like yeah. every bloody weekend it's like DFX there's a big one on yeah exactly yeah, there's a big one on at the moment that's like uh, the big in Japan sale where it's like lots and lots of uh, Japanese games lots of really obscure JRPGs all the way through to like Metal Gear Solid 5 and um, Dark Souls 3 there's some, warrior, there's some Warriors games in there as well that are really 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 tempting me that I just need to just hold back on yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of good games available. I mean, like, yeah, Sony sales are, are, are not not quite as expansive as say a Steam sale because they don't have the same library as Steam does. But it seems to be as often as, as Steam has sales oh, as yeah. a sale on PlayStation, and the the the, the discounts you've been getting you can get on them are beginning more and more aggressive. They're, they're really um, they're really starting to make uh, buying digital become as relevant and as convenient and as cheap sometimes as mm. buying hard copies which is yeah. which is exactly the way they need to go if they want to start well that's it I mean the titles that they're actually um, listing here you know with with the discounts they've put on them they do make them comparable to buying them second hand as um, you know proper copies so yeah it just makes it an easier option doesn't it yeah because it, it is stupid when you look at something like Battlefield uh, um, no, sorry, Star Wars Battlefront. When you look at Star Wars Battlefront, and it's still say sixty quid, and yet you can walk around to your local CEX or something and pick it up for a tenner, you know, mm-hmm. it's just embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's. I mean, it's working. I've been buying a hell of a lot more digital games than I ever thought I was. Oh, yeah, same here. On yeah. I'm pretty much exclusively digital now. Yeah. Mm. I know. Check me out. <laughs> Future boy, Billy Big Bollocks here. <laughs> okay our final news story is that uh, as we all thought the Bioshock collection has been officially announced um, 2K Games has initially announced that yeah, the Bioshock collection is coming for PC, Playstation 4 and Xbox One on the 16th of September in the UK and the 13th in North America and in that pack you will get Bioshock, Bioshock 2 uh, the Bioshock 2 DLC's Protector Trials and Minerva's Den um, Minerva's Den, I, I've n- never played it, I couldn't get into Bioshock 2, but I've heard that it is one of the, the best pieces of DLC in any game for a long, long time. Um, and a lot of the, the the staff that worked on Minerva's Den went on to uh, form 
think they're called Tacoma, the studio that made Gone Home. Um, a lot of them are, are, are the staff that worked on Minerva's Den. Uh, you'll also get Bioshock Infinite and the Bioshock Infinite's um, uh, DLC packs, Clash in the Clouds and Columbia's Finest packs, and the Burial at Sea, uh, both episodes of that, which was another excellent piece of DLC, um, where, where you return back to Rapture from uh, Bioshock 1, and it's sort of like a, a, a really cool, creepy, noir story. Um, so, as a package, as long as it's you know, reasonably well priced. That's that's a lot of really good games. I will get. be getting that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only thing that's not compl- not included is Bioshock 2's multiplayer mode, and there's a few add-ons for that. But yeah, not really bothered about that. What is included, which I'm very interested in, is a director's commentary um, video series is going to be included because um, Ken Levine is one of the more interesting people in video games, and he's someone who I could quite happily listen. Talk to, talk about video games for hours on end. Um, I, when I played through uh, the Grim Fandango a while ago, the Grim Fandango remastered for um, the, the podcast. Every now and then, I'd flip on the director's commentary and listen to little bits and pieces. I, I love that stuff in films, and it's great when they put it in games as well. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to being able to play through that and hearing Ken Levine talk about uh, little aspects about the game as well. Um, so it's unclear how much has been done to boost the performance and visuals of Bioshock 1 and 2. Um, Bioshock Infinite has not had any upgrades on the PC uh, because the PC version already looks really good. It's just the older ones that need a little bit of a brush up for them. Um, uh, as yes, it's already up to scratch with current console standards. Uh, although if you've got Bioshock Infinite on, uh, no, sorry, if you've got any of the Bioshock games on PC, if you already own them on Steam, you'll be able to upgrade to the and uh, the, the new version, the updated version for free, which is and it'll happen automatically as well, which I think is a really nice touch. Yeah, because there'll cool. be a lot of people who've got those games on their Steam in their Steam catalogs. Yeah. Um, I think I might, but my PC probably can't run it anymore, so <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm really pleased about that. I mean, there was a there was a period where where developers were bringing out re-released versions of our old games, and I just kept on thinking, "Oh, for God's sake, just bring out new games." I'm getting sick to death of remasters, but some of them, like a lot of them, have been really, really good. Like uh, the Last of Us remastered on PS4 was was fantastic, and I'm kind of looking forward to being able to play through. Um, Arkham Asylum, not so much Arkham City, but definitely Arkham Asylum in its remastered version. Whenever we we get that, and yeah, any excuse to play through Bioshock One again. Um, mm. I, I loved Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite. But Bioshock One was just one of those sort of like uh, it's one of those, the, those standout moments of the last generation where you thought, oh my god, this is this is a mm. this is a game that's going to be remembered for years to come. Yeah, they look beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, and just on. My sort of just just at the threshold of what I tolerate and being <laughs> slightly scary at a first-person yeah. shooter before I think no, I don't want to play this. So yeah. <laughs> well, Bioshock Infinite looked fantastic. It um, did, yeah. I'd I'd definitely be partaking myself if they'd make it into a third-person mode, but that's never going to happen. So no, I'm no, completely out on that. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite was kind of like a much maligned game for some reason. I don't know why it became sort of like 
cool to hate on yeah. Bioshock Infinite. I, I love it. I, I, I don't care what people say. I think it is an absolutely wonderful game. Um, yeah. I, I don't know whether just the experience of playing it maybe overshadowed the actual playing of the game because the, the, the main problems people seem to have was the actual gameplay. I had no problems with it, but I don't know whether I was just yeah. enchanted so much by being in that game. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, an excuse to play through that again. We have still got our game giveaway um, promotion ongoing. Uh, we've got 50 plus games in total to give away on Steam. And all you need to do is go to our Google Doc link, which we'll put in the show notes and uh, on the blog as well. And just put your Twitter handle or your email address beside any of the games that you want. Within reason, don't, don't be greedy and put your name down next to 10 games. But, you know, if you want to put down down to two or three, then that's fine. Uh, it's on a first-come, first-served basis, and we'll send the links out um, about once a week via Twitter, uh, direct message or email, depending on which you, you leave on the Google document. And uh, I've been uh, I've been on the receiving end of that, I must say. I've had, God, I've had a couple of games from that list, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, just how, yeah, what is, how quickly what is it you picked up again? Uh, awesome notes. Yeah. Uh, oh, course, you got me on the... Uh, Oh, you got um, Wolf Among Us, which I, which yeah, I want to yeah. get playing because I want to yeah, um, play along with you guys when you do your playlist. Mm, yeah, and, um, and nice uh, little Kotal, public. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Which I'm excited to start playing <laughs> at some point. Yeah, Bioware Classic. Yeah, man. Um, one of the best Star Wars games. That Kotal one and two, uh, one of the two of the best Star Wars games ever made, in my opinion. They're up there with uh, X-wing versus uh, Tie Fighter. Um, not Battlefront. <laughs> no, but there you go. <laughs> Shadow of the Empire. <laughs> um, yeah, we keep we uh, hope to keep this as like a running promotion throughout the year. We'll add more codes as and when we get them. Uh, if you've got any duplicate codes, or if you want to di- donate any, any any codes that you've got that you don't want, then we'll happily take them and pass them on to any of the listeners that want them. Uh, so just email us or send us a, a DM at Laps Gamer on Twitter, and we'll get them added onto the onto the Twitter feed, on, onto the, the the Google document. Uh, just a couple of shout-outs. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Ryan Heyman from the uh, Kane and Rinse uh, podcast and also an LGR alumni who's joined us on a few episodes. He was uh, kind enough to let me come on to the um, Kane and Rinse Sound of Play uh, episode 49, I think it was. And uh, he let me come on and, and ramble incoherently about video game music that I liked <laughs> for, for about an hour. Uh, by the time this episode goes up, that one should be out. So, if you've never heard um, Sound of Play, it's it's, it's brilliant. I mean, you should go and check it out if you're a fan of video game music. It is excellent. Yeah, mm. uh, and also I'd like to personally thank Carl Moon over at Kane and Rinse as well, who uh, has been an absolute gent. And uh, I was uh, talking to the the guys over at Bitsocket the other day, trying to debate whether I should which ridiculous massive JRPG I should buy for the Wii U next um, I couldn't decide between Tokyo Mirage Sessions and um, Xenoblade Chronicles Cross and they convinced me to get Tokyo Mirage Sessions and then Carl messaged me and said oh I've got a copy of Xenoblade Chronicles Cross that you can borrow so I'll post it over to you so I've got that on the way as well so um, <laughs> between those two games and my ongoing mission to complete all the 3D Zeldas you're probably not going to hear from me for a couple of months yeah, um, that, that, that Kerbal chap is not going to get rescued is he? no well yeah. <laughs> he, will he, yeah. he will eventually he will eventually 
He won't. He will. He will not die. But yeah, he might have to wait for a bit until I've dabbled in some crazy JRPGs. <laughs> uh, just a quick reminder that our next playlist game is The Wolf Among Us. Uh, so get hold of it and get it played, and let us know your thoughts on the game in time for a dedicated episode recording that's coming up in a few weeks. It's do we have did. a? Do we have a direct date? Mm, a set date when it's going to be beginning of August ish. Yeah, so we're recording. Yeah, we're, we're going to yeah, we're recording sometime around the beginning of August. Yeah, sort of maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll try. We'll aim for then, depending on if everybody gets it completed by then. Um, I've just started gonna, it downloading. <laughs> oh yeah, so I mean, like if you, it, it only takes about what do you what do you say about twelve hours maybe to play through? Well, it took that. me a week to get through it, so it must be ridiculously short. Because if it takes me a week <laughs> to get through it, anybody can do it in a night. <laughs> I think there's seven episodes, um, and there uh, maybe less than that. And the episodes are only about an hour to ninety minutes long. Mm. Um, so it doesn't, you know, standard Telltale yeah. season length. It doesn't take a huge amount of time to play through, but it is it's, it is a brilliant game, as I'm sure I will say at length when we record that episode. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you get it played and, and want to let us know your thoughts, then uh, you can send them over to Twitter at Laps Gamer, or you can send us an email as well. Uh, we're also going to be doing at some point after that, covering the first few issues of the Fables comic, uh, which uh, the Wolf Amongst is the prequel to. Uh, so if you have the first collection of Fables comics, then give them a read, and you'll be able to join in when we uh, do an episode on that as well as one of our ongoing Ballyhoo episodes. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us any questions, uh, suggestions for new segments you'd like us to start doing, uh, if you'd like to let us know what we're doing that you like or don't like, or anything you'd like us to read out on the show, uh, then you can email us, that's lapsgamerradio at gmail.com, you can visit the LGR blog, which is lapsgamerradio.blogspot.co.uk, you can find us on Twitter, at lapsedgamer, and you can visit and like our Lapsgamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR community Facebook group. Uh, you can find all of our uh, podcast episodes to stream or MP3 download at our Podbean web address, lapsgamerradio.podbean.com. Uh, also, please be so kind as to subscribe and review uh, Lapsgamer Radio on iTunes. And you can check out the Lapsgamer YouTube channel for additional content and uh, see my failed attempts to try and rescue a Kerbal from the moon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> remember, do let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us. And I guess all that's left to be said is uh, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Bye bye. Ta-ra.